Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. Okay, Mike's on, and uh, Gab Reed's stepping into the breach at the moment. Uh, he's uh, doing a wonderful job, and Lynn Drummond's here as well, and so is Mark Owen. I'm Kevin Healy. This is City Limits. It's the third Wednesday of the month. It's a ha- normal housing day. Lynn, our first guest, though, is from a group called... Um, um, it's called uh, Street, by, Street, Street by, by Street. I just found it in the bit yeah. of paper you gave me. Yeah. Um, tell us something about it. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's called a na- actually sorry, it's a national street by street project. I'm actually involved in it myself. Um, today we're going to be talking to the overall project manager for it. Her name is Irene Opper, and the idea of it is to turn streets into communities and foster an Australian wide network of neighbourhood groups. And it's been quite successful in Victoria and Western Australia, but they're trying to ex- expand it across. Um, across the country, across the whole nation, and Irene is going to be talking about her proposals on that and what it actually means. She'll come in later on today. Right, yeah, and if it was a street with um, a street with uh, nature strips, of course she'd be a grasshopper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> First of Kevin's jokes. Will it be the last? That's the question. First bad joke of the day. Okay. Uh, um, speaking of which, jokes on us is a headline on the on the Herald Sun. I'm going to read out very shortly. Um, but uh, the other guest today, of course, is April Bragg from the Housing for the Aged Action Group, who isn't quite from there because she's been dismissed, but she's going to get reinstated, I suspect, shortly. Um, but we're going to update people because last month people might remember that uh, Jeff Fiedler came in and did talk about the, the problem that's occurring there with the committee and the uh, the staff and, and the membership generally. And uh, since then there's been a number of developments which we haven't reported on because of tactical reasons, but April's going to come in and update us and uh, things are looking a lot better by now. So well, that's, that's good, good to hear. hear. That's good to hear. Plus we'll talk some other housing issues. There was quite a bit in the uh, budget, etc. in the last week or so, including yes. poor old the poor old negative of gear is really upset because some of their stuff's been taken away and what they can't even claim now they can't even get back the money it costs them to go and inspect the property and have a look at it oh. bloody disgraceful it's disgraceful, it? disgraceful. <laughs> i'm going to pour a cup of tea um, but look the um the jokes on us thing now this is you know this is our weekly herald so <laughs> this is the big one of the week but hang on let's pour that right um the uh, as he belts the microphone with the teapot, good effort. <laughs> <laughs> radio, big, it is a radio running right here this morning. This is, this is a very um, large now this is it. Where's the justice? Jokes on us, and they're complaining because kids in the um, kids in the detention centres. You're not going to believe this. They're given cooking lessons and take away pizzas. It's a disgrace, really, oh, isn't absolute, it? Oh, yeah. I oh, think the best thing to do oh. with kids in detention centres is to keep punishing them as much as possible. Don't let and them that out. way, when they do come out, they'll be 
happy members of the community. And they don't need cooking lessons because they're going no. to be fed prison food for the rest well, of their lives. Well, that's right. Life, so yeah. That's probably that's, why yeah. they are cooking for themselves. Yeah. They're actually <laughs> they're only so mini awful. pizzas, but don't let that worry you. It's okay. Um, yeah, so um, I think the Herald Sun's onto something. We should all write to our local MPs and say, keep these kids there and do not give them mini pizzas. Do not give them any joy at all, I say, no. because or starving, starving prisoners of joy that's definitely right. helps rehabilitate them. Yeah. Yeah. Or anything so. as silly as a life skill like oh, cooking. No. Oh. Don't. Good God. <laughs> Don't even go there with life skills, Kevin. Mm. Good grief. No, no, no. 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 Um, now, the other one in the Herald Sun, of course, is the usual suspect columnist who came out this week. All are entitled to free speech. I only went on very slightly because I presumed he was attacking the bloke who hit Alan Joyce in the, in the face with a pie uh, last week. Because this is, this is the man who always believes in free speech, particularly his own, as we all know. <laughs> but what he's, what he's come out, what he's, what he's actually complaining about is that the bloke hit, hit him with the pie because the bloke was opposed to Alan Joyce's stand on same, same-sex marriage, which is interesting since today is the day of um, such things, um, and um, against, today's the day against homophobia, transphobia, etc., isn't it? So this is, this is very, quite Indeed. appropriate very. Um, for the usual suspect columnist to come out. What he's standing up for is the rights of those who oppose oppose same-sex marriage to be heard as well, their, their right to free speech, which is being attacked by the terrible people who actually want free want same-sex marriage. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's his line. So is he, is he defending the, the pie attacker, is he? Well, he's, not, he's, he's suggesting that, um, he's suggesting that the, 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 the Joyce's right to free speech he upholds, but he must also recognise the right of those who oppose his position. Right. Um, well, I'm sure he does. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and in fact, I, I raise that primarily because... And I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Um, he, of course, works for the Murdoch private um, television free t- um, pay TV channel, which recently sacked Mark Latham for expressing free speech. Now, as we said at the time, we didn't agree with a word Mark Latham said. No. But these great proponents of free speech who argue for it, like this bloke, who's on the same channel. Yes. And Rupert Murdoch, who argues for it through this bloke and through his newspapers... Uh, one would have thought the last thing to do is sack someone for doing exactly what they say they have a right to do. Mm, um, exactly. And there wasn't, there hasn't been one word in his column attacking the attack on Mark Latham's right to free speech. Interesting. He, yes. he actually has a program on the same channel. Are you saying that there may be some double standards going oh, on? Oh, I'm not. I wouldn't suggest that of this man one for one second. <laughs> right, just no, about to say. No, no. No, yeah. just, just, just an interesting thought, that's all. Yes, indeed, indeed. I'd, no, it's, it's actually very good you point that out. Yeah, no, it's very thought true. I'd throw it into the yes. equation. Yes. Um, a couple of items. Last week we mentioned the, um, the fine, the 100,000 pocket money fine that, um, um, what was the company, KFC got when a young 15-year-old worker fell into a uh, vat of hot yeah. fat. Um, oh, yes. And uh, this week there's, there's some good news on that front. Because um, there's an article, top CFMEU boss fine for first time, the construction of forest mining and energy, its most senior national leader, Dave Noonan, and top Western Australian officials have been fined 277000 over unlawful blockades at John Holland's $1.2 billion children's hospital project in Perth, which is all about safety and other matters and, and union rights, etc., and they've also been forced to pay five twenty-five grand to John Holland to settle the bloody thing. Um, now that's two seventy-seven thousand. The other mob for a kid falling into a vat got a hundred thousand for you know, a major international company. Mm. And this week, 
that finally, you know, that, that's lauded by the Financial Review, by the way, as being, you know, they, they've certainly deserved that fine, these terrible people. Yes. Another story this week that took pity on Domino's because Domino's had broken the law in relation to how it treated franchises, etc. We know Domino's underpays workers big time mm. anyway as a separate issue. They got fined $18,000. Now, these unionists, 270 and 525, mm. so that's nearly, that's three quarters of a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for for defending workers' rights, yeah. eighteen thousand for breaking um, what is essentially um, you know the, the commercial law, yeah. um, and they regard that as a heavy fine. And yeah, it just goes to show. Mm. It just isn't goes it? to show, doesn't isn't it? it? Yeah. And this week, of course, we've had more on that same front where. Um, and it's got Patrick's, which of course has been once again uh, has um, has um, since Cube took it over. Um, it's got that bloke, what's his name again? Um, the bloke who ran the, the, the big dispute, the MUA dispute, who set it up years ago. That bloke, I can't think of his name now. But he, he's, he runs it again, and already he's attacking workers left, right and centre, and they're pursuing the MUA for millions at the moment. Um, and yet, again, cleaning companies employed at state government schools are selling their contracts to other operators, leading to workers being underpaid by up to $8,000. Uh, and there's a you know, story that just goes on and on, in fact, that's mm. that story. And a mob called, um, and I don't know where they operate, I tried to find out, but they reckon they've got shops all over Melbourne, A&S Wholesale Fruit and Vegetables. Um, they're facing allegations they underpaid two workers more than $100,000. That's considerable. Um, that's not inconsiderable. Mm, no, exactly. no, no, no. Uh, and yet, uh, that if they get fined, they'll get fined a very minor amount of money. Mm. Um, and they'll point out that, the uh, as they always do, that the underpayment was inadvertent and... As we keep saying, they never seem to inadvertently overpay. But no, they, they uh, never know. No, 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 but uh, yeah. anyway, at another <laughs> terrible uh, headline, employers on the losing end of claims for unfair dismissal, and it's awful because since um, they got rid of work choices and brought in the new the new work fair work thing, uh, the the number of employers winning cases of of unfair dismissal has dropped dramatically, and again, that's bemoaned by the by the forces that would that know what's good for us. So, <laughs> that, uh, it's terrible okay. that workers are actually winning cases. It's yeah. shocking, isn't well, it? Well, that's, oh, that's a real turn-up. Well, I mean, God. We've got to put a stop to this sort We've of thing. We really yeah. must, yes. Well, fortunately, we have the Herald Sun there to keep us all in check. Yeah, have you, so. likes got, you got anything going at all now? No. Um, um, well, I, I, I was quite... Um, upset uh, last night to hear that the the nineteen story Pentridge Tower has now been approved in the in the uh, old Pentridge prison grounds. Yeah, 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 so it might be good to to talk to someone, possibly like Sue Bolton, about that in a, yes, next week yes, or the week after yes, for a few minutes yes, and get the latest. Mike, Mike Hamill Green, who's been heavily involved in that issue, yeah, well. Mike, Mike yeah. speaking at this seminar on the the second anniversary of the um, second conscription referendum, the second centenary of the um, of the, the of the centenary of the second, say properly, Kevin, the centenary of the second uh, conscription referendum. Yes, um, is being held. There's a, there's an event this Saturday for that, oh. which Mike's been involved in. Oh, fantastic! And I'll, fantastic. Well, look, I'll, I'm planning to go to that, so I'll check and see if he wants to come on and say something. That yeah. would be that would be good, but it doesn't surprise me at all. Of course, it was. Um, I always thought it was inevitable that this kind of development would go through, despite mm. all of the heritage concerns and all of the yeah. concerns of the re- residents. It's just a reflection mm. of where we're at at the moment. Well, in developers society. have rights. We all know that. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and don't be 
forget they're they're regarded as as an, as an entity. They've got the same rights and regarded as a person, the same as we are. So the corporation is gets the same rights. They certainly do. Seems yeah, so. that, that of course, having mentioned, I wasn't going to mention it, but having mentioned it, I, I suppose with this for the last, you know, given the the centenary of everything in the world in World War One, plus we're now getting to that stage with half centuries at Vietnam, at Vietnam and all mm. the stuff with the first, Second World War. Um, day after day, there's always some bit of train killing to commemorate and have the Governor-General come out and tell us how wonderful it was. Well, quite, um, yes. Uh, the, first, the first conscription referendum last late last year since just slipped by them. They missed it completely in the media. They just, you know, somehow, <laughs> but I'm sure this week, the second one, they'll pick up the fact that people actually voted not to send young mm. people to that war. I'm sure the Governor-General will be out in full force for that one. Well, I think we can expect the papers to be full of it on oh, Saturday. The Herald, front front yeah. page of the Herald yeah. Sun. Yeah, all Definitely. over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lynn, have you got anything to, to bring at this stage? Uh, any, any issues that are troubling you? Troubling me? Or grappling, or tr- <laughs> issues that, uh, that you're grappling with on this Wednesday morning? Anything you want to get off your chest? Any well, it's probably totally unrelated. Well, it's totally unrelated to some of the topics we're discussing today. But I did watch something, a bit of something, actually, last night on, on 7.30 and also read about it. Um, but I haven't got the full facts. It was about um, groups of young people who are actually, if you like, adopting people, young, young people who have had the most ghastly um, upbringings, childhoods and are being abused and they've formed this like a syndicate where they're actually bringing them into their own homes and looking after them and making sure they're all okay. I haven't got the full details of what the groups are doing and who they are, what they call themselves but I thought what an ama- amazing idea that is. Yeah, so there's absolutely. just that, that's been going on yeah. and it's just been in the news this week and I'll say on 7.30 last night. Oh, so it might great. be something to look at later. All right, and speaking of big things, um, we noticed BHP's dropped the billeton bit and gone back to BHP this week. And it's running full-page ads telling us just how bloody wonderful they are, how seven ordinary men gathered in Broken Hill 130 years ago, etc. Um, and they go on about how... Anyway, they tell us every day across Australia and around the world, we produce the resources needed to fuel our transport, power our industries, warm our homes, cook our food, and make possible the technologies that will help build a cleaner, more sustainable future for all of us. Now, Gab, you'd be impressed with their... You know, BHP's attempts at a cleaner, more sustainable future, no doubt. Uh, nodding her head over there with no microphone in front of her. <laughs> and uh, and I thought, well, this is a mob that has some of the biggest coal mines in the bloody world uh, telling us they're um, working toward a cleaner, more sustainable future for all of us. Can someone explain that to me at all? I, I would love to, but I'm afraid I can't. And they've got a woman in a hard hat showing us the erection. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, that yeah, photo yeah, makes it all OK. Oh. That's right, they care, they care. Now, the problem with the ads, I haven't seen the tele-ads, I must admit, but um, apparently they're running tele-ads as well. But anyway, some mob, an Australian advertising executive, Des Madigan, he's come out and said, actually, they're not very clever, the ads, because all they show are big, dirty holes. <laughs> and he said, this isn't, this isn't a clever way to advertise yourself as being you know, good and sustainable when all the all people can see is making big holes all over the country. <laughs> so uh, there you are. That's fantastic. People can fall into. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I can see the headline here. BHP ad campaign smarts, 
but too many ugly holes. That's yeah, fantastic. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and here's a picture of some very ugly holes. Yeah. I think it's great. But the man who's, um, who's doing a great job at the moment, Donald Trump, and he's really doing well, isn't he, at the moment? He's on top of things. Anyway, um, he's meeting Saudi. He's going to Saudi Arabia and Israel this week. And the good news is uh, he's going to complete a series of armed deals worth more than $100 billion with Saudi Arabia. Doesn't mention Israel because they do that almost every day with them, so that's another question. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so $100 billion to the Saudis to uh, make sure they, they retain and maintain liberty, freedom and democracy in the Middle East uh, between the two of them. Um, so there you are. I just thought I'd but mention Trump that. does a lot of business with Saudi Arabia when he was... Yeah. Had another life. Didn't Hope you're he? not yeah. suggesting yeah. there's conflicts of interest oh, coming into this no. world. No. Hopefully they'll be able to squeeze a meeting in between the beheadings. You know. <laughs> yes, he doesn't want to go there on a Friday morning. No, no. When's he going to lob? They'll keep him waiting longer than he kept Malcolm That's Turnbull right. waiting. Off with their head. Um, and the other one, just on that stuff as well, Adani. Um, now, this, I think this is one of the great conacs of all time. It happened over a week ago now. We, met, we didn't mention it last week. But Adani have, have offered to have Wyala make the steel for the railway they're going to build from their mine to the port. Uh, it's lucrative contract. And, of course, it's, it's, it's very clever because the government's coming out now and saying, if you oppose Adani, you oppose jobs for these Wyala mm, workers, the port. Mm, Isn't that terrible? Mm. You know, it's, it's a, but what they don't point out, of course, is that not only are they so generous offering this contract to the Wyala workers, but they're so generous because it's our bloody money. Yes. Yeah. yes. We are paying for that railway. Yes. <laughs> if, it, if it's going to get filled at all. That's the, that's the so they're thing. actually generously yeah. offering something with our money to try to put people into a corner over the, the whole Adani it's, mine it's, issue. It's but, beautiful, uh, isn't it, the way hope, they do it? Let's hope that little show won't actually work. Uh, and oh, we can only just, hope, can't we? Before we go to our first guest, just one other small thing. Well, not how small it is, because I'm a great opponent of state aid for any schools. But, but uh, this debate around schools funding. Uh, last week, Birmingham, the minister said there was a headline: "He will not be bullied by Catholic schools over funding." And I cut it out and thought, "I'll hang on to that because I'll see how long that little resolution mm. lasts." Mm. Two days later, he caved in completely. Um, but there's a report came out in the last few days that shows that because the, once the, the federal money actually goes to the Catholic school board who then distribute it and they talk about the need of the, the schools in low-income mm. areas and their needs, etc. But the figures show that the Catholic schools and the upper-class Catholic schools in the well-off suburbs are getting far more per capita than schools in the poorer areas. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Um, so interesting sort of, yes. and completely unsurprising. Just thought I'd mention that. Let's take a break. We'll get our first guest on and get some sense into this program. Hello, Irene. Hello. Hey, it's Lynn Drummond here, and I've got I've got Mark Allen here, and I've got Kevin Healy in the studio. Thanks for coming on. Um, you're the project manager for the National Street by Street project, which is pretty impressive. And I'd like to know exactly what that is. Thanks, Lynn. It's a project where we want to turn streets into communities. We want to do this Australia-wide. We also want to foster a network of neighbour groups. And what inspired you to become involved? I mean, how long have you been involved in it? It's been a couple of years. Uh, originally, um, it was inspired uh, through the Centre for Civil Society, uh, which is a bit of a think tank, and they look at what are some of the things that are happening 
that are good around Australia. Uh, and they put on a forum where there were uh, people talking about some great community projects. Um, but it was also mentioned that this was not happening everywhere. Uh, and they put up the idea of the street-by-street model. And I thought, wow, I would love to actually see that happen on the ground. Uh, and so after talking with the director, we decided that we're actually going to make it happen. So that was a couple of years ago. Since then, we've been putting the word out and more and more people have been saying, yep, I'm, I'm in, I'm going to do it. And we now have uh, over 20 groups in four states. But there are other community activities going on which seem a little bit similar to this, such as what about, is it, is it similar to Neighbourhood Watch or, you know, there's lots of street parties sometimes people hold. Can you just explain a bit how the project works? Yes. Um, it's a little, it has some similarities to those. Those are all really good things that bring people together and they bring people together who live nearby and, and that is a fantastic thing. The, the main difference is that we strongly encourage people to get together uh, more regularly than some of those So, because we think that it actually takes meeting people a number of times to build up that real relationship, uh, to build it up to a level where uh, people will find common interests, some people will make friends and where people will help each other. So that's one difference. We, we suggest people do simple things regularly. The other difference is that we don't have one focus. So it's not about safety, uh, it's not about um, the environment or any one thing. It's actually just about people that want to connect with each other. And once they know each other, yeah, they might decide safety's important and the environment's important or whatever else. So they can actually take it in any direction they like uh, and more than one direction. So I guess that's the main difference, that this is purely about community uh, without specifying what the group's going to focus on. Have you experienced community life yourself? Yes, then I was lucky enough to live in this small town just to the west of Brisbane. It was called Mount Nebo. And there was only 600 people uh, and another 400 in the neighbouring town. Uh, we did so much together as a community. We, were, we did uh, regeneration of the rainforest. We uh, collected tools and sent them off to Mozambique. We had regular music nights, some of those just for fun, some of those as fundraisers for other things. We kept the hall in our own hands, uh, so rather than handing it over to council. And so that meant that we had to have a, a residence association to manage that. It meant that we could put on all sorts of things in our hall. Occasionally we'd do something big, like putting on a huge market and festival where a lot of people from Brisbane came up for that. So there was really no end to what we actually did as a community. Uh, we had a, a newsletter where we shared that information. Um, and what I liked is that I was able to have relationships with people across the generations. So I actually found someone who I asked to be the adopted grandfather for my children. The so things like that came up because it was a community. Mm. Yeah, Irene, um, Kevin Healy here. Look, just wondering, in, say in a, a typical street, or did you organise it in streets or groups of streets? Or how is it organised? Okay, so we don't literally mean one street because most streets are, are too small. We actually are thinking in terms of perhaps people within a five-minute walking distance of each other, and that might mean inviting several hundred households. 
to the initial get-together. So what we do is uh, find someone who's willing to kick it off and step them through the process. And in doing that, they do a letterbox drop of an invitation to perhaps seven or so hundred households that just says, uh, we're interested in having a get-together of all those people that would like to know their neighbours. It's at this time and this place and come along. So we tend to suggest things like a local cafe uh, or a local park. It could be in a community centre. It could be in someone's home. Mm. Around a barbecue in a park or something, a, you know, if it's the right sort of weather. That's exactly. Yeah. It's a little unsafe in Melbourne yeah. <laughs> to go that way. Cafes are a bit safer, but yes, some people much prefer the park and that's fine too. So it's really just something simple where, where no one has to do uh, worry too much about the catering because you can just say bring a plate. Mm. Um, it, that's the idea. It's something yeah. that's easy uh, to come along. Just also wondering, say of a group, you know, if they, say it's 100 people in the group you, you circulate, what percentage usually get involved? It's actually quite a small percentage. I, I would say uh, perhaps 5%. Mm. So that's why I, I suggest you do, you know, several hundred because you want to get maybe uh, 20 to 35 or so people turning up. Mm. And after that, uh, when you do simple regular events, you're not actually trying to get everyone involved each time. So the idea is you're giving a lot of opportunities and if you get a, a nice group of, you know, 6 to 12 people coming each time, that is really pleasant. Um, mm. You know, we actually, I find, for me anyway, it's so much better to actually have a good social situation with a smaller group than to get 50 people turning up. Yeah, mate, especially if you're meeting in a cafe, it gets a bit awkward with 50. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Does, it yeah, does. yeah, no, but I, that sounds about right to me. I would have guessed that it would have been about 5% uptake. So, yeah, no, but it, it sounds great. It's It's a great way of reconnecting with your neighbourhood, is, isn't it? And uh, we've kind of lost that a bit, haven't we? We have, we have. So many people have grown up, you know, in a small town or, or lived in another country where they've had that feeling of community and they know how wonderful it is. And as you'd probably know, there's been a lot of research on this and it's actually proven that those people who um, connect with their neighbours actually have greater life satisfaction. Is that right? Survey, yeah. Yes, there was a survey done in, in 2015, the HILDA survey, and they actually proved that those people where uh, neighbours are helping each other out and doing things together, mm. it had a really large positive effect on their life satisfaction. You have mm. a system of community, what you call community connectors. How does that work and how do you become a connector? A connector is anyone who's willing to just organise uh, at least the initial get-together of neighbours doing a bit of a letterbox drop uh, and and then should the people say yes we like this idea and we want to continue it becomes a neighbour group now for a neighbour group to work well I'd, I like to see two or three people take on that role of community connector and what that means is that they um, simply put out invitations uh, every now and again uh, I step people through a process where they can create an email group and just make it easy to communicate. We don't have to do a letterbox drop every time. Uh, but those connectors are those people with that bit of initiative to just say, hey, you know, in two weeks, let's meet at this place at this time and just sending that out. That doesn't mean that 
uh, other people in the group can't come up with suggestions, of course. It's always really welcome. Um, but having some people have that role of a connector just means that they know that others will be happy when they do it. And inside the groups themselves, I mean, you might you get people who might have common interests like theatre, ballet, sport, football or something. Uh, can, do they often get together or go to even the cinema? Um, they often get together and just do those things as a, as a smaller group? Yes, yes. That's the beauty of it. Because people are in it because they simply want to know their neighbours, it means that there are a lot of different interests that people have. So, yes, you might have people that all go together to a local theatre show. Uh, in my area, we uh, have a whole lot of restaurants that people said it's a good opportunity to try different ones. What is your area? Uh, I'm in St Kilda. Uh, and we actually we have a group called Green Knoll, my, my local group, uh, and we've done a lot of different things uh, besides going to local places for brunch or dinner or whatever. Um, we might go to a place that's got live music. Uh, we've had a Christmas event at, uh, using the grounds of the local church where someone in our group offered their band. Someone else brought the barbecue. Uh, just people contributed whatever they could, and we had a lovely picnic and barbecue there. Uh, in the in the past, you were involved in community projects with these groups. I think when you said you lived uh, near Brisbane, has that kind of thing happened in in Melbourne? Have we got a situation whereby people are working on like local? environmental enhancement schemes, planting trees, or even things like swapping produce and food from each other's gardens? Are we sort of seeing that kind of sort of community resilience building starting to happen? Yes, yes. Look, there are a lot of pockets of great community activity going on. That's brilliant. Uh, yes. That's really uh, good to hear. That's right. Uh, so the whole idea of Street by Street is we want to make it available to everyone. So, yes, some people have already found a way of getting involved with community, but there are so many people that haven't. Yes. Uh, perhaps, perhaps only because they don't know what is available nearby. So what we do is the letterbox invitation just arrives directly to them, and I think that makes a big difference. Mm. Are you trying to spread this across Australia? I mean, which are the, most, uh, the states that are having most success with this idea? Well, so far, the biggest uh, take-up uh, and creation of neighbour groups has been in Victoria and in Western Australia. And we have a smaller number in South Australia and in Queensland. So, yes, we would love to take it all over the country. And interestingly, it's had more uh, take-up in the cities than in, than in the smaller regional centres and towns. Now, that may be because people do community better in those smaller places. Hmm, could be, yeah. Interesting, though, isn't it? It's also... But there's a real need in the cities. That's what, yes. that's what we've seen, that there are yes. a lot of people that don't know the people around them and would really like to. Hmm. And, of course, it's exacerbated, I suspect, that last point you raised by the fact that when, when we were told years ago that technology would give us far more leisure time, but the reality is those who are working are working much longer hours and so probably haven't got a lot of time to actually meet people... And those are what, a lot of people, of course, aren't working as well. Does that raise problems, or is that a good or bad thing in relation to this issue? Well, you know what they say: if you want something done, ask a busy person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, in fact, some of our connectors, you know, are people with a lot on their plate already, but they see the value in in community as well. So, we tend to think that this is something 
open to everyone. So those that are busier, we tend to suggest, at least for the first gathering, do it perhaps on the weekend during the day where um, people aren't likely to be at work. Um, but once you're going, you might have some activities that are during the day that for those that have time, either their work allows them flexibility or they're retired, you know, have some things like a walk together or, or a coffee that are during during working hours, but, but others where those that have the more hectic lives can still take part. Right. You have um, the listeners would be interested to know where they can go for more information on this, Irene. I've got to... Um, they go into the website, which is streetbystreet.org.au, and can they call you? Sure, I'd be happy to talk to anyone who likes this idea. My number is 0413-706-233, and you can also email me at irene at streetbystreet.org.au. I'll just repeat that number, 0413 706-233 for Irene Opper and also her email is irene at streetbystreet or one word dot org dot au to express your interest. And there's also a Facebook page by the looks of it which is streetbystreet all one word so if you key that mm. into Facebook it should come up. Yep. That's right. And just going back to the point you said before People are connecting because of technology, but they're often just connecting online from their computers from home. And that's a trend we're seeing with the rise of Facebook. And, and we are just offering an alternative to a mm. reminder that the real relationships happen face-to-face. -face. Yes. We want to bring people back to that. Face, very important. Face to Facebook rather than Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much, yeah. Irene. It was very, Thanks, it was Irene. Very interesting. Brilliant. You're Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Anyway, April Bragg's in the studio, and April, of course, comes in regularly from the Housing for the Aged Action Group. Last month, Jeff Fiedler reported that there'd been some ructions there between the committee and the membership generally and the staff, in, in, in the course of which April had been dismissed after 20-something years there. Only 17. 17, <laughs> sorry. But, uh, well, uh, but April, has, April has been involved in, the, in, in, in housing issues for 30-something years. 34. years, so it's a long bloody time. She's also retired from Hague about eight times. Um, but that, that aside... Your, your um, words about that were ringing in my ears your, last night. About, this is a job that keeps giving that I never go away from. Well, anyway, Resigned, sacked. Now, now a lady of leisure. Look, perhaps if I do a quick update as, uh, yeah. and then you can fill in the gaps, I'll do a truncated version. Yes. Since um, Jeff spoke, there's been some meetings held under the Constitution, if the, if the committee doesn't answer certain questions about meetings and finances, etc., um, the membership can call a special general meeting, and at that they have the right to vote no confidence and, in fact, vote the committee out. And that, that was put, that's been put in train, essentially, that, that process under the Constitution. Um, they've also, since then, attempted to sack almost every other member of staff that I can make out, or people yeah. we know. So, um, yeah. they, but that hasn't succeeded because people went on sick leave, etc., to avoid being dismissed. So there's been all sorts of awful things going on. But in the last couple of days, April, I believe the committee has actually resigned. But in the course of it, of course, who knows what's happened in terms mm. of bills to lawyers and accountants, etc. But 
um, things hopefully will settle down. Yeah. And you'll get reinstated, obviously. Yes, and that process is underway. So, um, and that's why I was thinking about you last night, Kevin, when you said, oh, she's resigned and yet she's back. And and now I'll add to that that I was sacked and I am being reinstated because that was, um, and, you know, I was proceeding to fair work for unfair dismissal. But, yes, late, um, uh, what's today, Uh, Wednesday, so late Monday, um, the committee sent the former committee sent a one sentence email um, through to the acting general manager that they put in place um, to say that the whole committee had resigned, um, and that that would that was it. So basically, after three months of chaos and and destruction, um, mm. that was their um, the way that they notified. Though since then, I've um, we understand that they have sent a letter out to the general membership saying why they have resigned. Um, and, and and again, it's, um, you know, the, the basis that they were trying to put good governance, um, what they saw was lacking in terms of governance into the organisation. Um, but over this three three months, um, and members have called for a special general meeting, which will be, um, which is on the 7th of June, which will now have the focus of electing a, a new committee. Um, we, um, the members, support, the the um, supporters group that was calling that meeting, um, which consisted of about forty people all up, who saw, um, who you know, just were appalled at the behaviour of the committee, um, and particularly in terms of destroying a community group and making sure that HAG wasn't a member-based group anymore. Um, they've um, we elected uh, or appointed an interim secretary so that um, consumer affairs could, and our funders could be notified that um, you know processes were in, in place to to restore order to the organisation. So we have um, we do have a secretary at the moment, and there was also um, appointed a, an executive committee, if you like, of um, four other people. Um, so things are in in order in that in that sense. We're contacting or we contacted the the funding bodies. Can, can I just so come in here? Because yep. surely, because only the committee thus far, the committee has been pitching its side of the story yes. or its story to the funding bodies. Yes. Um, it, it could long term do untold damage, couldn't it? Absolutely, um, to and the funding of HAG. Yeah, and I, I and I won't lie. Uh, our major funder DHS, because um, in this email that was sent by which the, is the State Department, which is the State Department, yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, Department of Health and Human Services, where we get the majority of our funding for for our Home at Last service. Um, in that email from um, the chairperson um, saying they had had resigned, also instruct it was an instruction to the acting general manager if he had any queries to contact DHS um, <laughs> for further instruction. Um, and he was someone appointed by them during yes, this period. Yes, that's right. I, I was dismissed on the Friday, and he he um, a- appeared at the the office on the Monday, so he, his contract started from from that time. Um, DHS uh, is um, saying they're considering their their options. Um, so it's by no means that um, funding <laughs> is guaranteed anymore after such reputational um, damage mm. that's been done. And as I said before, the absolute chaos. The um, full-scale industrial disputation um, that that that's a, that's occurred. Um, we're reassuring funders at the moment, and I've got to say during this time that one of the main priorities of <coughs> staff is to make sure that the service was acting 
um, and operating, um, you know, at full full strength that we were still meeting all our KPIs, which are mainly from, um, you know, our, our performance indicators, mm. mainly set um, by DHS. All our data and all our all of those things have been submitted, so it has been business as usual at at that end. So, um, in demonstrating to funding bodies that you know <laughs> work but you, continues. But I believe that. There, there was a there was a particular funding uh, fund you got that you fought for, yes. which um, yeah, I think you announced on this program a couple of months ago. Yes. Now you tell me that in the interim, the committee has, has told them they don't want that funding. Um, can you explain that to us? Not me. Um, uh, we got a phone call, or the general manager got a phone call from the Com- This is Commonwealth funding, um, mm. and we won the tender um, for a tender that I, I put in. Um, it's for our, our assistance with care. Um, and housing funding, and we've had that program now for about, oh, it's got to be at least 20 years. This is the first time ever there's been any growth funding associated with that with that program, and it's a really poorly funded program. Um, we probably spent, with the Home at Last service, we were able to demonstrate that that program is an integral part of being able to assist older homeless people to, to be housed. It, it's a it's a really fantastic program in that it you know provides the wraparound that people actually need to get them housed. So we've got yeah. the numbers on the board and we spent a long time proving that to the Commonwealth and they actually provided growth funding. Um, so it was a really big deal. Um, John, the general, acting general manager, got a call from um, the department yesterday afternoon saying, we're just checking that you're, you don't want to receive that money. Um, and of course, he he we signed the he had signed the contract um, along with the other co-manager on Friday, so we thought everything was was in order. Um, he asked to, for them to get back to him, you know, what had happened, um, why they were actually thinking that, and we found out that um, basically the chairperson, and this is how we see it un- unfolding, had actually contacted them to say that um, that the organisation didn't want that money. Um, which is just an absolute treacherous... So, wow. so are you still going to get it or what's happening? Well, yes, we, we of course said to the department, look, we've signed the contract, yeah. you've got that. Yes, we apologise for any confusion. We don't know how that how that happened. But I, I guess that, that act, um, once you've you've walked out, out the door about, you know, this was purely, um, you know, it, all the way along this is um, the vindictiveness has been extraordinary. And it was a demonstration, particularly to workers at HAG, long-term workers who, mm. who have built the organisation along with members, um, you know, have it running to an opposing view about workers having too much say in an organisation and people being hell-bent on trying to break that. Um, mm. That was purely and simple. And along with, you know, workers having too much say, um, this was a group that clearly did not want members to, to have a say when they talk about, you know, moving to new governance um, arrangements. They were clearly talking about us not being a community group anymore. Um, in one of the letters that the chairperson sent out, um, when, as you were saying, Kevin, there were questions that were put to the committee about why they were holding, you know, in-camera meet or secret meetings at other locations rather than in our building. We haven't had any minutes from any committee meetings mm. since February. Um, we don't know. We we knew that lawyers that had been employed, um, auditors. Um, we actually and, and the law firm is one of the three yes. big 
uh, pro pro boss yes. law firms in the country, which would be charging mints. Yes. No pun on their name. <laughs> Ellison, but, yeah. <laughs> that, that's right. Mm. Extraordinary amounts of money just ba- and and that law firm was purely engaged for the you know to um, run their in, industrial campaign against workers, and and mm. it's been a horrific campaign. Workers are really. Um, you know, we're so relieved that this is over and, you know, people aren't um, – but it's taken its toll. People, I bet it has, You know, yeah. um, a couple of workers that we're talking about have, um, you know, clearly have uh, traumatic stress mm, over this. Really? None of us none really? of us have been sleeping, none of our families. Wow. You know, we've had – our workers are amazing because we've held tight through yeah. all this. There's never yeah, any been You've break shown away. resilience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, um, they're absolutely absolute fantastic. But we're under a lot of pressure, particularly, you know, going home and and I've got to say three three of our women are new mums mm. um, so particularly mm. um, you know out, outrageous <laughs> that they've been put through yeah. through this um, but their families you know they go home they're really upset um, you know want to debrief with family yeah. and and you know it got to the point where you know partners and children were saying this isn't any good for our family you've got to get wow. out of there um, really? And mm. really putting so getting pressure from yeah. from you know loved ones and understandably too yeah. nobody wants and then, anyone. Uh, some to of those workers this. have been on this program over the time yes, too, yes. and they are uh, they, you know they do a great yes. job. So, yeah. And I and I still say this you know the nonsense um, you know the witch hunt that that went on and it was purely in, started in the beginning to um, you know. Uh, you know, it was under the guise of offering a worker a package to to leave, and you know that was, she was just being bullied and mm. harassed to to leaving, and um, you know, and she was a long term employee um, in you know our our finance worker who's done an amazing job for all of those years to make sure that every year mm. um, we're in surplus has been you know mm. the the key person in terms of um, demonstrating to government mm. that, you know, we do have good financial govern- governance yeah. and that we've grown. Yeah. Um, you know, we've grown very yeah. quickly from an organisation that basically had four employees mm. to, you know, now 16 and, mm. you know, budgets that have tripled tripled that. We yeah. demonstrated that. And, and, Kevin, as you're saying, the, the damage as people go out, out, mm. out the door in this very short period of time, mm. We learnt that our reputation over, you know, Hack's been an organisation for just on on 30 years, but in this very short period of time, and I've got to say these were um, some of these people, um, well, some of them have been with the organisation a really long time, some of them were new onto the committee, not necessarily from, you know, a housing tenancy background generally where where our our members come from, Um, and the... You know, damage that they were able to do in that short period of time um, was, was just. And I suppose, really, despite the fact that hopefully it'll now settle down, no one really knows why they did all this. Do no, they? no. The the correspondence that gets sent out, and you know, the recent members' letter. Um, you know, they talk about concerns that they had about our, our finances, and you know, at, at no time did the committee ever sit down. Um, with mm. us to go through, they they thought they had a smoking mm. gun. Um, they they had an agenda about certain people, and mm. you know it sort of ended up being a perfect storm in just a couple mm. of things coming together for them. But um, you know they did have a responsibility to manage the organisation properly. They needed to sit down um, and talk to to workers, particularly the workers who it was their work, 
and seek explanations before, mm. you know, and, and if at that point you wanted to go down that track, at least you actually had the information. Mm. But at no time were any of us, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I was, you know, I'm a co-manager in the organisation along with my other co-manager um, and Jeff as well in, in, you know, the length of time we've been managing the organisation service. Nobody ever asked us. They mm. just mm. thought... And, and through all this, I, I, because all this happened, I did read your constitution. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and it strikes me that it did allow for what's happened, which was good because it allowed for, for the members to get together and, um, yeah. and, and take action. But the one thing it lacks completely, which most groups, constitutions do have, is any rights of workers and the position of workers and employees, and it needs, yeah. needs it badly. This is a common, and you'd expect this yeah. um, in, the, in the profit-driven private sector, you'd expect this kind of thing to happen, but this happens a lot in the not-for-profit sector. Yeah. Um, a good friend of mine had a very similar situation in, in, in her area in the not-for-profit. This is, um, yeah. this is a problem that, that's across the board, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a human ego dogma. Yes. It, yes. it goes deeper. It goes, yes. it goes to a deeper level, I yes. think, and I think we need to start looking at, at yeah. that as well. Yeah, it, it, it's a good point. We never saw before, and sorry, and, and um, since this has happened to us, yes, we've heard of many more yeah. organisations and, you know, and, and, I, and, you know, and the reality is, you know, people involved, everyone yeah. has a different agenda. Yeah. yeah, of course, this is going to happen. And, you know, I was actually saying to a bureaucrat who was saying the sky was falling in and we, you know, perhaps have to look at another organisation <laughs> You know, but providing this, but you know, but but particularly um, our fundings under governments, and particularly I, I think more than anyone, ministers get that about the political argy-bargy that happens within factionalism some sometimes. But the reason we actually never did that, I, I guess, is that we saw that was clearly, um, you know, it's a member organisation, and so mm. that that was you know, very straightforward for us if the organisation employed workers. And this is a big lesson that we've learned through this yeah. of how little power, industrial power, we all now have. And when you were talking about the um, union stuff and Patrick's before, be good for us um, to be able to talk one program at just the um, lack of industrial um, rights that we had all the way through mm. this. It, it was Although the other one I raised earlier that... Um Bosses are complaining that workers are winning too many unfair dismissal cases. You had a hearing with a chance there, but you're, you're there withdrawing it. <laughs> well, well, you know, yes, but I, I mean, everyone, uh, I, and, and that's still in, and we're going through a process to, to get it out. But all through that, I'm, I, I mean, the union had actually said to me, I forget the percentage, um, and I thought that, that win, very few people win. Um, I was told that the process actually takes six months and people will then settle before then. Of course they will because people will be starved out by them. So I saw that as a systemic thing. But we had um, union advice, um, sorry, legal advice the other day around the issues of defamation in what the committee had been um, you know, publicly putting out, particularly about, about workers. Um, and one of the things about, and then we did talk about the unfair dismissal um, process and the lawyers are actually saying to me the reason why people don't win is it's a bit like the Family Law Act is that once someone says that the relationship is broken down and they will you know they do not want to work with you or cannot work with you ever again, no, the Fair Work Commission is really loath mm. to. It's highly unlikely that they would reinstate a worker once a, an employer says that, mm. um, which is you know really 
really out, outrageous. But mm. um, I mean, one of the going through this process too is a hard way to, to learn, isn't it? But mm. the, the, I mean, just for the membership base, the membership as well. Um, it, it's certainly reviewing the constitution and any of those yeah. processes because most we, most so. held, yeah the rights of workers including they can't just dismiss you like yeah. that they you know yeah. they have to give warnings and you know yeah. a series of things and, and all that which which isn't there and which didn't happen in this case effectively. well yeah. but it is under it is under the award so we always saw our prote- protection as being under the award and we felt very strongly when this was first happening that, um, mm. yeah, that we did have rights and it did have to – and the employer body too because our organisation um, is a, um, pays fees to the employer um, – an employer body to, um, you know, which is Jobs Australia for us. They were – you know, they've always clearly said to us, that you just – you can't do that. And, and good practice would be that you don't, don't mm. do, do that for a whole range of reasons. Who, You know, you avoid industrial disputation at all, at all costs. <laughs> if you – and, you know, I've got to say, most people come on to our committee actually come on because – and why our constitution hadn't changed, because we have the, all, all the same values. Mm. People join and people yeah. work there because yeah. we're all wanting to ach- achieve housing justice. Mm. Um but the thing in this case was that the, they they knew that they had to go through that that process, didn't use our, um, our employee sorry employer advocate and went straight to employing um, industrial lawyers who are just absolute head kickers that you know had it down pat and I think in the end. They, you know, when people talk about risk adverse, like you don't want you, you you try everything to make sure that you're actually not going to have to pay out a worker or you're not going to be, mm. you know, liable for for compensation. They, these lawyers would be telling them exactly what I said before. If you mm. get to fair work, it's 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 not going to happen. This is the percentage of you know. I, I think they said to me that there hasn't been a worker reinstated in Victoria like three or, you know, three, four years. What was that headline I read? In the, <laughs> obviously one worker must have won and they said they're winning yeah, too many. Yeah, like, a, like a, I mean, everyone just, every time I kept talking about it, everyone just laughed and went, it's never going to happen, darling. You know, so and everyone kept saying, what do you want? I want to be reinstated and I want a public apology. And they went, you get the public apology but forget the reinstatement. Hey, we're almost out of time. So it's, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to, just, we'll talk housing next yeah, month, I guess, when you're back yeah, in back in. Back but if I could just use the, oppor- oppor- yes, <laughs> the opportunity to say thank you to everyone that has, has supported us. Um, it's been overwhelming, the, the messages and the calls and, uh-huh. and the, letters of, you know, the letters of support, and we are, we are so thankful for, for that. Our special general meeting will go ahead on the 7th of June, and everyone is welcome to, to come. It will be part that's, of a celebration. That's where? Oh, and it's at Ross House on the on the fourth floor, and it will be a celebration no. about restoring... For those who don't know, Ross Order. House is in yep. Flinders Lane, and it's actually in the Graves the Grave Street. I don't know yeah, what the, um, um, between Swanston yeah, and, yeah, and Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, Very nice. Yeah. Thank okay, you so, so that's at what time is that meeting, Mama? Um, twelve o'clock. Otherwise, yeah. no turn. But seven a.m. have to wait and wait and wait. But it's <laughs> <laughs> it's twelve no. o- twelve o'clock on the seventh. On the seventh of June, Wednesday, the seventh right. of June. All right, terrific. I was going to see you. We were going to raise. I was going to ask you. Um, whether you got excited about the state and federal budgets and what all the money that went to public housing, but um, you probably answer that pretty quickly, can it's you? Just, um, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Sums it up really, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Don't know where we're going to go. Times no. of April. Well, thanks for that. At least we've we've reached some, some sort of denouement yeah, in that whole yeah. thing, which is good. Um, and next month we may even talk about housing issues and the stuff we you're will, employed to do. Yeah, and at some time we'd really like to to do some. Um, 
you know, union stuff. Topic. Yeah, yeah, all right. It's important right. we do that, yeah. I think. Okay. Well, look, thanks to everybody. Next week is... Um, what have we got next week? Yeah, got we've got a guest we? here uh, who's actually coming here from, from um, Sydney uh, for a conference, but she's started up a Waverton Hub, which is a community uh, project, which actually means people can stay in their homes a lot, lot longer and not have to go into retirement villages. She's trying to expand it into New Zealand and across Australia. Her name is Helena Ronge, and she'll be in the morning. Terrific. Okay, Fantastic. Next, next Wednesday, and I'll probably, probably have a second guest as well, but um, I can't think of who it is. I think I did think of someone, but I can't think of who it is. <laughs> we, we will have a guest, yeah, don't you worry, and it will be a good one. April, you're the guest today. Thank, thank Gab for doing a wonderful job over there. Thanks, Gab, for everything keeping us on air, and thank you to everyone else.